We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Anderson, uh, who I've not talked ball with for a long time, James. I mean, we've uh, a lot of DMing, a, a lot of Slack talk about the NBA, but we have not been on a pod together in quite some time. And uh, I'm overjoyed to reunite for one of my favorite traditions each year. Uh, it is over under win total time. And we are going to start with the Eastern Conference on today's episode. We'll follow up with the Western Conference in the next week or so. But uh, always one of my favorite exercises uh, to dive in and, um, you know, I, I feel like there's going to be a fair amount of disagreement. Last year, I feel like we were in lockstep on a lot of these numbers, but um, you know, a lot of teams in transition in the Eastern Conference and uh, very much looking forward to, to getting your take uh, on a lot of these numbers. And we will be pulling odds from the DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, man, I, I thought uh, the odds this year were set better than they've ever been set before, at least yep. in terms of like I – there's fewer lines where I'm extremely confident one way or the other. So I think it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. Hats off to the odds makers. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Lakers on the next episode, but <laughs> I, it does, it does feel like there's, there's less like inherent Lakers bias uh, that then we've seen in years past a lot more uh, you know, realistic projections uh, with these numbers, but uh, nonetheless, I, I think uh, plenty of interesting ones to discuss. And as always, we'll go in alphabetical order, which means we will begin with the Atlanta Hawks, a 43-win team last season. Uh, that line bumped up just a little bit. 45-and-a-half is the number for the Atlanta Hawks, who, of course, uh, their splashy move was adding DeJounte Murray, pairing him with Trey Young. Where are we going on 45-and-a-half for the Atlanta Hawks? Uh, I'm going under, and I, I tried to sort of line up all the teams in the conference and kind of 
tier them and to try to figure out where I, I thought these teams are going to slot. And I think the Hawks are the eighth best team in the East and 45 and a half just seems a little high for the eighth best team. And I, the main thing that I worry about with them is just the Nate McMillan factor where I don't, like, I don't really think anyone there thinks he's necessarily long for that job and they just don't want to fire him and pay him a bunch of money to go away. But like, it's not like, I don't think everyone's kind of pushing in the same direction there. Um, So I just think they're going to be kind of like a low forties win team and it's going to be kind of underwhelming. You've got just so much talent in this conference like, I don't think they're better than the Cavs. I don't think they're better than the Raptors. And they're clearly not better than the top five teams. So, uh, yeah, I think, they, I think they win around as many as they did last year, 43. Yeah, I think they're right in the 43 to 45 range. I, I don't think there's going to be a drop-off. I don't think Murray hurts them at all. But I, I question how that pairing is going to work. I mean, we're already seeing the, you know, Trey Young says he's okay playing off the ball stories i just we, we've seen this so many times where i, I think I, on paper the partnership makes a lot of sense but you know Dejounte murray not being a non-shooter but you're really not being a plus shooter that worries me um and, and this is also a team that doesn't really have a ton of depth um you know at center you got a kung move behind clint capella it's felt like we're, we're now going into like year three of is he better than capella you know the, the, a lot of the things that he does well would maybe benefit this team more but Bogdanovich is already banged up. It seems like he's been perpetually hurt for the last couple of years. I mean, John Collins missed time last year. Clint Capella took a step back. And and beyond that, you know, it's like Aaron Holiday is your backup point guard. And, you know, they're going to be relying on guys like Justin Holiday and, and A.J. Griffin, the rookie out of Duke, uh, who who's, has some health questions of his own. So I think this is a team where, like, if Hunter and Young and Murray and Collins and Capella all stay healthy – there's a pretty good chance that they could go a game or two over this total. But if any of those guys miss time, I mean, they're, they're really, really shallow. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're, they're really leaning a lot on Deandre Hunter and he's had a hard time staying healthy. Um, Like DeJounte Murray, I think he's become a little overrated as a real life defender. Um, Like he's, He's going to get a bunch of steals, but um, I just don't think he kind of comes in and, and completely sort of fixes what ailed them uh, in terms of their, their backcourt defense. Like Trey Young is still a horrible defender, and uh, they're really going to be leaning a lot on, on Hunter. So, I, you know, if Hunter, if Hunter kind of takes a, a big step forward, I think that's probably their most likely path to, to hitting the over. Um but yeah, I just, I don't really see that happening. Yeah. I have them right in that same zone that you do in the East. I, I, I think they're the eighth or maybe the ninth best team. I think pretty solidly at eight. Um, you could make a case for seven, depending on what you think uh, about Brooklyn, but either way, I mean, seventh and eighth place in the East last year, both finished with 44 wins, eighth place in the West last year, that was 42 wins. So if, if you kind of project out, uh, I think there's a good chance this one goes under the Brooklyn Nets, a 44 win team, Last season, this line bumped up a little bit, 50 and a half. Uh, it's understandable given the star power on this team. Uh, I went under here. I know you're going under as well. I 
I will admit, I mean, it, it, this number is pretty realistic. I, I think there's a, a decent chance that if, if Durant and, and Irving stay healthy, uh, the Nets could pretty easily clear this. But to me, there's just, you know, we've seen this play out too many times with this group, and I, it feels to me like the under is at least the safer bet. Yep. Yeah, I think they have a extremely high ceiling from a win standpoint, but I'm just not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I mean, that goes for fantasy as well. Like, I just don't I'm, – I'm fine missing out on, like, a big Ben Simmons – season this year like if that's if that's what he's gonna do I'll you know I'll get him next year you know I'm not just gonna assume that it's gonna be great and I do like that Kyrie Irving basically he has just everything riding on this season like I think that's a compelling case for the over like that the Kyrie Irving can't kind of pull his BS this year because he's gonna be a free agent after the season I think saying, you know, not giving them the benefit of the doubt is the right way to phrase this. That's pretty much exactly how I feel. Um, I mean, there's a world in which this is like a 60 plus win team. If Durant plays 70 games and Kyrie magically has the healthiest season of his career and, and Ben Simmons fits well, like that, that's definitely in play. But I, I think if you, you play the season out a hundred times, like 70 out of a hundred, uh, you know, some major things go wrong for this team. I, I will say, I do like the depth a lot more than I thought I would with the Nets. And by the end of last year, they had so many injuries that it, it didn't really feel like they were a very deep team, but um, you know, you're no longer asking Patty Mills to fill in and play 35 minutes every other game that Kyrie's missing. And Seth Curry, it felt like was banged up the entire second half of last season. They didn't have Joe Harris for most of last year. Him coming back is huge. You, know, you add Royce O'Neal in a trade that at the time made no sense because we thought Durant and Kyrie wouldn't be on this roster. Now I, I kind of like Royce O'Neal, you know, being a 25 to 30 minute guy, can play both forward spots. TJ Warren should be back at some point. So there is a lot of depth here. The big question I have is, is the Simmons piece. Um, you know, I, I, I know the plan, at least on paper, seems to be start him at the four, start Claxton at the five. I, you know, Kyrie, Harris, and Durant are all great shooters. I still don't love having two for sure bona fide non-shooters at the four and the five. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think they are going to have some – uh, they're going to have a lot of success, I think, with some of their smaller lineups when um, Simmons or Claxton is on the bench. But I, I think that's just a huge problem. And their their kind of lack of a a real center to me is 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 sort of an issue that's going to be more um, more of a problem in the playoffs probably than in the regular season. But you might have the two worst free throw shooters in the league as you're starting four and you're starting five. And, you know, that's not going to be a huge issue at times in the regular season. Like, I don't think people are going to go to, like, hack a Claxton in a November game necessarily, but... We don't know that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do like the, the O'Neal piece fits really well here. Um, this is probably the best shooting team in the league when you just factor in, like, Irving, Harris, Curry, Durant, Mills. Well, especially um, if Simmons could become a shooter this year too. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's you got like five of the best shooters in the league, and then two of the worst shooters in the league. Um, TJ Warren is—I just assume he's not going to give them a ton because of yeah. the lack of interest on the free agent market. Like, I think if if teams really thought he was going to contribute this year, he wouldn't have signed to the minimum. 
Um, but I, I mean, I can see this team winning 60 games if it all goes perfectly, but I just, I don't think you can assume like everyone talks about the nets as like, you know, th- this team, it could all click and everything. Like we should just assume it's not going to click until it actually does click. Nothing has clicked for them since arriving or since KD and, and Kyrie arrived in Brooklyn. I mean, they have not really sniffed 50 wins uh, in any of those three seasons. And obviously Durant, you know, missed his first year there, but there, there's not a lot of uh, a reason to believe that this is going to magically go well. And I, I mean, to me, the Simmons piece is just so much of a wild card. I, I have no idea what to expect. I, he's like my number one player to avoid in fantasy. Um, I, I just, I don't think it's worth it. Um, anyway, the Boston Celtics, we may have our first over here, James. 51 wins last year. The line bumped up to 53 and a half. This is a team that was, I feel like, 26 and five uh, after going 25 and 25 through its first 50 games last season. Uh, obviously hit its stride in the second half and, and carried that into the playoffs. But uh, significant turmoil, we will say, uh, for the Boston Celtics within the last week. Uh, still no real details uh, on, on what fully has gone down with Ime Udoka. I would hope at some point we get those details. That, that might necessitate an emergency pod for you and I. Uh, but I'm going over on 53 and a half. Uh, coaching issues aside, you're going under. Yeah, this was at 54 and a half. Uh, less than a week ago, but uh, with all the events, it, it did drop down to 53 and a half. Um, to me, the, the two big reasons to go under are pretty obvious. Like, I, I think um, Robert Williams is arguably their third most important player. Um, like, he, he actually probably was a better defensive player last year than Marcus Smart, who won defensive player of the year. Um, and without, without Williams, their defensive identity to me just kind of falls apart. Um, he's the kind of glue that holds that whole like number one defense in the league. Uh, like they were in the second half together and he'll be back at some point, but I think they're going to re- be really careful with his minutes in the regular season. Uh, they need him to be, you know, 100% for the playoffs. And then you're losing arguably a top five coach in the league. Uh, you know, whatever you want to make of the chemistry or how the locker room is going to be and stuff like that, you're, you're still just losing a really, really good coach and you're replacing him with a guy with very little experience. So, um, and this is also not a team, like I don't think getting the number one seed is going to be just a massive priority for this team. Like they're going to, at worst, they're going to be, you know, like the four seed or something. Um, I just, I think there's a lot of other teams in this conference that are going to be pushing harder than the Celtics will this year. And then with the Williams and Udoka factors, I'm going under for that. The Williams thing is big for me. I, I think this, this roster is really, really deep, really, really solid at just about every spot. But if this Robert Williams thing drags into December, January, um, and even as we saw last year, like even when he came back, he was never quite himself. Like if he's not hundred percent Robert Williams, then absolutely this win total is in danger because for, for as great as Al Horford has been for this team over the years, I, I don't know that you can continue to depend on him in the way that they had to at times last season. I mean, he's going to be 30 or he's 36 right now. Um, it's just it, at some point that fall off is going to happen or, or injuries are going to crop up for him. And then, you know, you're, you're really relying on 
Luke Cornett, who I know some people are high on, but still, uh, there's a reason that this team just signed Blake Griffin like 15 minutes ago. Um, I don't know <laughs> if that changes anything. Do you, do you need to revise your, your pick? No, no. I mean, I just, I think it's more, <laughs> this is where they're at, like that they had to sign Blake Griffin, exactly. you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. That the center position worries me. Other than that, I, I think they're they're in really good shape. I mean, the Gallinari injury. I know, I know some people are really down on that. It's like I don't I don't know that Gallinari was going to make that big of a difference for this team. Um, you know, we'll we'll see on Grant Williams too. Like I, I'm not really a Grant Williams guy. I, I think he had a couple of big games in the playoffs, and that maybe inflated his reputation uh, higher than it should be. Uh, but this team is so solid at, at guard. You know, I love the Brogdon addition. He's going to get hurt at some point, but I think is as long as he's healthy and if that guy is your basically your backup point guard and your backup two guard, and he can give you 25 to 30 minutes in that role. You still have Derek white. Like, I don't know. There, there's, there's a lot to like about Boston. And I'm not really that concerned about the Udoka thing. Um, obviously, you know, losing him from a strategy perspective, that is big, but I, I don't see this being, you know, this, this like black cloud necessarily hanging over the players. I think it'll be hanging over the organization, but I, I don't think this necessarily affects, you know, how the players are going to operate on the court. You know, I don't think it will uh, massively on the court, but I mean, this was a team where like there were like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown are not like the easiest guys to kind of keep in line, like in the locker room, you know, like I I think, you know, it's just that there will be a slight drop off, I think, just in terms of, you know, some people might kind of have questions about their role on the team you know like having having talks with like Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon and Jalen Brown like behind the scenes like Udoka was perfect for that and right. you know they have no like some of there's probably guys on this team that are older than uh, than what's his face the, the guy that's stepping in so. Joe Mazzula yeah Joe Mazzula um so I it's just I don't think you can just assume it won't have any effect. Like I think it, yeah, I think it'll have like a, a two win effect basically. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think my my primary argument for the over is Boston was clearly, I, I think more their their true identity was the team that we saw the second half of the season and into the playoffs. And I, I will maintain they they probably should have lost to the Bucks in round two, and maybe that changes our, our entire perception. But you know, I think they also you know they were on like a sixty plus win pace. Uh, over the if you count the playoffs and you count you know the second half of last season so I think they dug themselves such a hole early on last year that you look and say well they only won 51 last year you know how how are we going to get to 54 Um, I I think they were closer to you know a 57 58 59 win team based on how they played those those final 50 plus games including the postseason but uh, this is good our our first disagreement to to be clear like the Robert Williams thing is way a way bigger part of why I'm going under than okay anything else like the new doka thing is just it's a small issue but it's really about the the robert williams thing and how that impacts yeah. their their defense yeah we'll see you know this line i assume they'll pull it for a little bit after the blake griffin signing uh, we'll, we'll see you know kind of where, where it resurfaces um the charlotte hornets 43 win team a season ago this number all the way down to 36 and a half i'll admit this was a tough one for me, uh, obviously, you know, Miles Bridges, we assume will be out of the picture. I really no clarity on what's going on with that situation. And, you know, Charlotte didn't really make a ton of improvements or, or really any changes at all to this roster. You know, Mason Plumlee is still back at center. Uh, we, we should see a little bit more of P.J. Washington 
this year, especially with Bridges out of the picture. But other than that, you know, I, I guess they added Dennis Smith to be the fourth point guard. No real changes to this roster. And I, I don't I don't know if there's going to be enough internal improvement uh, to, to push this team over. So I'm going under on 36 and a half. Yeah, I am too. And I mean, this is a great example of just how good the lines are because yeah. this team won 43 games last year. And, you know, you would, you would love it if they'd set it at 39 and a half or something like that, but they did set it all the way down at, at 36 and a half. Um, but I think when you stack up the teams in the Eastern conference, um, like obviously the magic and Pacers are worse than the Hornets, but I think those are the only two teams that are clearly worse than the Hornets. Um, like I could see the Pistons being about as good as the Hornets or the Wizards being about as good as the Hornets, but like they're not in that tier of teams like, you know, the Hawks and the Cavs and the Raptors. And those are, those are teams that might not have home court in the East. So it's just, there's so much talent in this conference. I look at their roster and it's just tough to get excited about this team. I mean, I, I do think that I'm really interested to see how LaMelo and uh, Steve Clifford, like how that, how that relationship uh, kind of develops, but um, two pieces of pod, those guys. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you never know. Like sometimes the guys like that will just, they'll reach a player and, something will click but I, I could also just see it being like oil and water and um you know trying to get Lamelo ball to be like a more focused defender and stuff like i just don't see that happening really um so it's just i think this is like the 12th best team in the east so i, I gotta go under at 36 and a half well, let's take a, a brief break and kind of talk about, you know, we keep referencing top eight, top nine in the East. Like who are your top eight or nine teams? For me, it's the same top nine as last year, just in slightly different order. Well, so I'm kind of lining these up in terms of how, what I think the seeds will be. Yeah. Not necessarily like championship equity, but I think the Sixers are going to have the number one seed. I think uh, then I think there's, you know, the Bucks and the Celtics will be fighting for the, two and three seeds um heat nets will be fighting over four and five to me and then i think it's raptors and Cavs in the uh six seven range then it's like hawks and bulls knicks kind of fighting for the play and spots so that's 10 yeah i agree with you i think that's the top 10 but i I think there's there are tiers within that and you, you did a good job of laying that out beyond that 10 I mean, I would be very surprised, you know, barring some injuries, you know, if a team like Charlotte, Washington, Indiana, Detroit, Orlando is able to jump into that tier. Like, to me, there's a very, very clear drop-off between that top 10 and the bottom five. And part of it is, you know, teams like Indiana uh, and Orlando are not really trying to win this year. I think Detroit is somewhere in the middle. I think they're going to think they're, they're going to win more games than they will. Uh, I, I, don't, I think it's going to be another rebuilding season for them. And then Charlotte and Washington are in the zone that you don't want to be in, where – yeah. You got just enough talent that you're not going to bottom out, uh, but also nowhere near enough talent to truly compete. I mean, Washington, if, if some things break right, you can see them being a play-in team. I, I think they'll be in that mix, but uh, ultimately I, I think they're just, they're in that dead zone. Yeah. I mean, I think you you nailed it with, that's not where you want to be. Like the, the Wizards and the Hornets aren't going to get Victor Wembanyama, but they're also probably not going to be involved in the play-in situation. So, um, 
even if they're trying to win as many games as they as they can all season long, they're just going to be underdogs most nights. With the NFL kicking off and the NBA season nearing, today is the best time to try Caesars Sportsbook. Anyone who's at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesars Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5, ROTO15. The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1,500. Again, visit caesars.com sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use our promo code ROTO15. That's ROTO15 when you sign up. All right, the Chicago Bulls, 46 wins a year ago. Uh, the talk of the league midway through the year um, fell off hard after the break and, and obviously went out with a, a whimper in round one to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, another number that is just shockingly realistic. You know, you, you'd think this would be uh, two, three wins higher, but 42 and a half is the number for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, where are we going on this one? I think this is the under that I feel the most confident about. Mm. Um, I really think Lonzo Ball is this team's second most important player behind DeMar DeRozan and they're potentially going to be without him all season. Like I just, everything, every piece of news about his knee has just been really concerning to me. And um, when you don't have, because he, you know, he was probably like their best two-way player last year because everyone else is just, you know, without question. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know who would be number two. Yeah. So losing that, it's just he was so pivotal to when when things were going right for them last year, he was so pivotal to what was happening. And I think without him, they're closer to that team we saw in the second half that was just really underwhelming. And um, I just, again, the, the conference is better than it was last year, and the Bulls are probably worse than they were last year. So... Uh, I just think there's too many teams that are better than them for them to finish 500. Yeah, you could trace exactly, you know, when Lonzo's knee issues started to crop up, and that was you know right around the new year. Um, you know, Chicago at one point last season was 26 and 10. I believe they, for a brief period, were the number one team in the Eastern Conference. And as soon as Lonzo went down, that that's when uh, things completely changed. You know, they were they were a losing team from then on. Uh, you're totally right about all that, and I mean. Caruso missing time last year, I think was weirdly important for them too. And, you know, yep. if he stays healthy, I, I think that, 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 that at least helps, you know, it gives you uh, somewhat similar offerings to what Lonzo brings, at least on the defensive end, but you know, healthy Lonzo versus healthy Caruso, there's still a pretty big gap there. Now you're asking a lot uh, of Io DeSumo. Uh, you're, you're asking, I mean, Kobe White, who's just kind of been not doing anything. It feels like the last couple of years, I mean, Goran Dragic is on this roster. I, I wouldn't say this is the under, that I feel the most confident about. I, I am going under uh, just because I, I think this number is, is kind of sitting right where it needs to be. But yeah, I think this is a team that, you know, once, once Lonzo went out really, really struggled on defense last year, I don't think they've really done anything to address that, you know, adding Andre Drummond as your backup center, isn't going to change anything. Bringing in Javante green, um, you know, isn't going to turn your defense around. So I, I think this is a team that this season probably plays out pretty similarly to last year. I don't think they get off to such a hot start, but there's going to be periods, you know, where the offense looks really good. And, you know, we're, we're maybe starting to talk ourselves into this team being in the, the, the top five or six in the East, but ultimately I, I just don't think they have the horses. And 
The other part of this is, I mean, can DeMar DeRozan possibly replicate what he did last season? Like to me, that, that seems rather unlikely as well. Yeah, that, that has to be a career year for him. I, I mean, I just, that, that, that was like a borderline Linsanity year. <laughs> I don't see how he could recreate that. And, uh, you know, it's un- I think it's unrealistic to like expect him to. Like if you're a right. Bulls fan or, or whoever, like, you know, you shouldn't expect him to. That was just such a good season. Um, you know, the, the Vucevic piece is just, it really puts a cap on how good they can be defensively. And that's like, you needed like Caruso is awesome defensively, but you needed like the double guys out, like the Lonzo Caruso tandem just fed off each other so well. And you needed both those guys to kind of make up for how bad the back end defense was. So right. um, you could also see, like you can see this team, maybe they pivot like, you know, what, what if they're in 11th place at, you know, February, January, do they try to get some of the picks back that they sent out in those Vucevic and, and DeRozan deals? So like, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a chance they maybe pack it in if the Lonzo injury is as serious as it seems. Very possibly. I think that is what a smart team would do. I, I think, you know, I mean, DeRozan, even if he, starts off, you know, and looks like the DeRozan from last year. I mean, it's, it's not like this is your guy for the next decade. Um, I think you have to start looking ahead if you're Chicago. I mean, they, and they, you they have, already... Like you could have a, like, could you see like a Lakers, like, I mean, Donovan's coached Westbrook before, like you get an unprotected Lakers pick, um, like in the middle of the season, you take, you do DeRozan for, for Westbrook and like, oh. you just kind of, you know, suck it in. I don't love that for the Lakers. I think if I'm the Lakers, I would want Levine. I, I think he's a, a slightly better fit with what the Lakers are doing. I, I think, you know, asking DeMar to you know, share the ball with LeBron, I think a big part of the reason that DeRozan was able to have the year that he had last year is they, they kind of let him operate. Um, and Levine, you know, kind of was dealing with the knee and seemingly was, was all right with stepping aside in some ways. I, I just, I don't think DeRozan could be, the player that you need him to be playing alongside LeBron. Like, I, I think he would, he would end up being like the Kevin Love in that situation. I I totally agree. Like I, I wouldn't do it if I were the Lakers either, but I could see them doing it. The Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a spicy one. 44 win team last year, of course, added Donovan Mitchell, one of the biggest additions of the entire off season. This number jumps up to 47 and a half. I'm buying in. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going over. You are going under on 47 and a half. So this was, um, this was 46 and a half like a week ago. And at that mm-hmm. point, I liked the very slight over at 46 and a half, but then it got bumped up to 47 and a half. Like, I'm just kind of on the fence there. Like, I think, I think yeah. they win exactly 47. Um, they have, you know, of, of all the teams in the East, they might try the hardest in the regular season to win as many games as possible because, you know, that there's a lot to kind of prove to the league, right? Like that we're a legitimate team now. Um, they'd love to have home court in the first round. So I think they're, they're just going to be gunning all season. But if they just deal with any kind of injuries to, to their top four, 
uh, their depth is just so mediocre to me that um, like they're more likely to win 45 games to me than 50 games um, just given how much talent's in the conference but I, I could see them going over I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily bet this one uh, I think it's a really good line it's a really really good line and you know part of me you can, you can see this one, you know, being another situation where they get off to a red hot start. You know, they, I think this is a team that will absolutely gun for it in the regular season, which is a good thing if you're, if you're taking the over on a win total. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 you often kind of see it where, you know, if you burn it too hard in the regular season, you, you kind of get humbled in the playoffs. And I, I think that's probably where the Cavs are headed this year. Uh, but I, I really like this team a ton. I mean, you're, you're basically getting a supercharged version of Colin Sexton to pair with Darius Garland. I, I could see there being, you know, uh, some fit issues, Garland and Mitchell early on, but uh, I mean, the front court is, is completely rock solid. And I also think this team would have won four to six more games last year. Had Jared Allen not got yeah. hurt when he did, you know, you see that 44 win total and that looks pretty meager, you know, it's barely over 500, but I mean, this team was absolutely rolling before Jared Allen went down and historically he's been super healthy. So there's no reason to believe you know, that this is going to be a, a chronic thing by any means. Of course, you factor in progression for Evan Mobley. Uh, it's pretty easy to write the case for the Cavs to go over. The only thing is, you know, I, I'm saying all these nice things about this team that I have ranked like sixth or seventh in the conference, you know? So it's like, all right, if they're matching up against the Heat or the Bucks or the Sixers or, or even teams like the Raptors or the Celtics or the Nets, like, you know, they're probably going 500 at best in those games. And all of a sudden it's tough to make the case for why you're going to win close to 50. Yeah, and, and I absolutely loved their top four for fantasy. Like, I, I've i actually done some Cavs stacks on some teams just because I think those four just have to do all the lifting uh, offensively and defensively. Like, I think – and I think they can all just have monster seasons together. Uh, like, I don't think they're taking away from uh, any of the other four, really. So, like, I, I love those those four guys. It's just a matter of that depth. Like that, they need like an Evan Mobley leap to me to kind of get get to that fifty win mark, um, which could happen. I mean, he could he could totally take a leap, but um, they just have really bad players behind those four. Very, very, very bad players uh, in terms of depth pieces. Um, yeah, we saw we saw probably a little bit more Jetty Osmond, a little bit more Lamar Stevens than we needed to see. Last year, um, you know, I mean, the hope is that Levert isn't nearly as terrible as he was at the end of last season. I, I weirdly kind of like the Okoro fit at small forward. If he's just down to play defense and do nothing else, that's totally fine. Like, they no longer need him to be, like, a spot-up corner shooter. Like, you know, it, sometimes you don't want to have too many options. Like, you don't – like, starting Levert at the three would make no sense when you have Garland and Mitchell next to him, right? Like, I, I, I kind of like how these pieces fit because you need that – you need that fifth guy who's never expecting to do anything on offense. I just think you need – I would rather go with, like, Dean Wade. Um, like, I just think you can't have that fifth guy be as much of a non-shooter as Okoro is. Like, I think that that player is basically never going to have the ball, and he does need to hit those, those spot-up threes, I think. Because, like, he was um, – like, there's a stat that Okoro was more open – than any other player in the league last year on his yes. three point like by a mile. And 
that's just when you have Allen and Mobley kind of already sort of congesting things, mm-hmm. I just think you want that fifth guy to be able to stretch the floor a little bit. Yeah. Ideally, yes. Ideally. But I, I think they're they're positioned well to at least weather that uh, if teams continue to leave him literally more open than anyone else in the entire league. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, 23 wins last year. 29 and a half is the number for the Pistons this season. This is a pretty easy under for me. I, I got to say, I, I like the direction Detroit's heading. I'm not really sure what they did here to, to get you know seven wins better. So I actually would like this over if Marvin Bagley just wasn't on the team. Um, <laughs> I had to get the Bagley bump. I think, I think they, I think the pieces would kind of make a lot of sense to me if you just didn't have Bagley there, but he's clearly going to play what, like 25 plus minutes a game, right? Like you don't, you don't give that contract at to least. a guy that, yeah, like it, like so, he just ruins everything for them defensively and offensively. So, like he he can't protect the rim, and he can't shoot. So you basically need to play him with a rim protector in like Stewart or Noel or Duran, and then you've got two non-shooters. Um. It's just he screws everything up to me um, defensively and offensively. But I, I love the rest of the roster. Like, I think Kate Cunningham's going to take a, a leap this year and become – like, I think he might have – I think he might be a deserving all-star this year. Um, having Bay and Bogdanovich and Livers there to kind of stretch things is going to be really important. Um I just I think the pieces fit. I think I think Isaiah Stewart um, kind of has a bounce back year after being a little underwhelming last year. Yeah, uh, but just the the Bagley piece to me just ruins everything. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that one. And I I do wonder, you know, I'm looking at our depth chart now that there's a possibility that they could start Bagley at the five. I I, I personally think that they'll start Bay at the two, Bogdanovich at the three, and then go Bagley Stewart. I just I don't think you can get away with Bagley at the five. I think that would be a disastrous situation i'm not i'm not convinced that Jaden ivy starts from day one i don't i don't know if he's gonna be ready for that i think isaiah stewart starts at the five like i think so too i i, I mean that would be malpractice to start bagley it, it's borderline malpractice to start bagley at any position at the five especially um what do you, real quickly before we move on from detroit i'm with you on cunningham i think he has a huge year i think he's one of the biggest risers year over year in the league that's not a take by any means but how much do you are you expecting out of ivy and out of Duran? right away um i think ivy plays way more early in the season uh how good he'll be i i don't know i i've taken a flyer on him in a in a draft and hold league so far uh just because i do think he will play 28 plus minutes a game um whether it's whether it's as like the sixth man or the starting shooting guard uh I think the minutes will be there for him. I think with Duran, it's going to be a real slow build from a playing time standpoint. Um, I, you know, he might not play much at all really in the first couple months of the season, but I think down the stretch, he'll kind of be uh, moving into more of like a 20 minute per game type of role. I hope we see more of Duran. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a developmental year for him. I mean, there's a ton to like, 
physically. Um, but I, I also think there's a chance that he's maybe a little overwhelmed at first. And, you know, I mean, they, even after trading Kelly Olenek, they do have reasonable options at center. I, think, I mean, Nerlens Noel is always banged up, but I, he's, he's a pretty nice option to have as your second or third guy. I think Duran's a great target in, like, dynasty um, keeper leagues. Like, I think, I think he's got a higher fantasy ceiling than Ivy, actually, uh, because he could be – yeah, like a 1.8 block a game type of guy uh, who gets you a, a double double and um, doesn't kill your percentages and stuff. So I, I like Duran a lot in fantasy for uh, long term, just not this year. I already bet Shannon that Jaden Ivy won't finish in the top 150 this year. I, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's going to have a nice rookie year. I think he's going to show some flashes. I don't think he's going to be a reasonable fantasy option whatsoever. Yeah, I mean it just. It comes down to playing time. Like if he's if he's playing like thirty minutes a game, um, he's probably their secondary ball handler at that point. And then just from a usage standpoint, he should be solid. Um, who would you take out of Ivy and Benedict Matherin this year? Matherin. Matherin for sure. I, I think he has the more projectable stat profile. I think he's in a better position. I think halfway through the year, he's going to be the number two option behind Halliburton because they're going to end up trading Miles Turner and or Buddy Heald. I, I mean, I think you'll agree with me on this. Like shooting guards are probably the least projectable position for fantasy. It's the hardest position at which you could succeed as a rookie because you, you typically don't have the assist production. Unless you're a high steals guy, it's really tough. You know, you got to be a high volume three point shooter or you got to rack up a bunch of steals. Um, you know, percentages are usually an issue for shooting guards. Like it's just... In general, it's tough to be a top 100 guy as a shooting guard right away. And Ivy was not a high steals guy in college. He was not a high assist guy in college. I don't think that's going to change playing alongside Cunningham. Um, you know, I've comped him a couple times in articles on the site to like Jalen Green, De'Aaron Fox, like their rookie years where you felt good about it. You know, you come out of it, you're like, all right, this guy's going to be good. And you look and they're like outside the top 175 in fantasy. You know, even John Morant was a really bad fantasy player early on despite looking really good in real life like it's just shooting guards like ivy just don't really project well for fantasy long term I, i'm willing to buy in but for for rookie year only I, i'm just not really interested I, I get that i totally get that i i mean if he were if he were a fresh if he had been drafted after his freshman year um or if they had like a more obvious shooting guard to me like i would i wouldn't touch him i just i think they're are going to be opportunities. I don't think he'll be efficient, but I just look at the depth chart. And I think he's going to get opportunities. Yeah. He's going to play a lot of minutes. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I just, I worry about the percentages. I, I don't think he's going to be a super high volume three point guy either. Uh, but he we'll needs see. to be, he, he needs to be like a steal, like a 1.2 steals per game type of guy to have, to be someone you're comfortable starting. Right. Right. And I, frankly, I don't see that happening right away based on his production in college. But speaking of Matherin, the Pacers, 25 wins last year, 23 and a half this season. You're going over. It is a low number. I'll give you that. Uh, we only had two teams last season finish with fewer than 23 wins, Houston and Orlando. Detroit was right at 23. I'm going under. I think the Pacers are, are right there with the Jazz as far as not wanting to win games. And the Jazz actually have a higher number. Uh, we'll get to them, uh, like we said, on a future episode. But 23 and a half uh, is the second, tied for the second lowest number. Uh, the Spurs are at 22 and a half uh, out west. The Thunder are also at 23 and a half. 
I don't think Indiana wants to win games. Like I just said, I, I think they're going to sell off some assets. And I, I think this team is going to be pretty bare bones by the time we get to the all-star break. Yeah. You know, I think they, um, like I wouldn't bet the over, but I, I'm leaning that way uh, just because they don't have to be worse than this to be in the mix for the number one pick. Like they can win 25 games and probably have a bottom three record. Uh, I just, I, Herb Simon, their owner has never greenlit a full on tank. And I think they're going to tank like whether he greenlights this one or not, like they just don't have enough talent to not tank, but, there's a reason why they've always been in that middle range and never picked like in the top five of the draft. <clears throat> um, their, their owner just hasn't uh, won a tank in the past. And then Rick Carlisle, like I think <clears throat> there's some parallels between him and Greg Popovich where like, I just think they're going to extract a bit more out of these guys um, than most coaches would. But I don't. I don't feel good about it. I think it's a good line. I just think that they, they won't have like the the worst record in the league, and they kind of have to to hit this under. That's a fair point. You don't have the right coach to tank. That's for sure. Um, I, I just think you know you, you take Miles Turner away from this team. You, you take Buddy Heald away, and I mean Matherin. Who knows? Maybe maybe he'll be better than expected right away. But I just, I mean, we're we're talking like you know, it's going to be Isaiah Jackson. It's going to be Jalen Smith. It's going to be O'Shea Brissett playing close to 30 minutes a game. The, the Miles Turner piece is huge. Like, as soon as he's traded, they might be the worst team in the league. So when's that going to happen? Um, but as long as, as long as he's there, I think they're going to just be mildly competent. Yeah. Um, but as soon as he's traded, they're probably the worst team in the league. The answer to the question of when is he traded is uh, also correlated closely to, like, where are the Lakers 15 games into the year? You know, are they, are they seven and eight? Uh, because that, that might be enough to, to prompt them to finally make that deal. Yeah. The Miami heat 53 win team a year ago. Uh, this line a little bit low 48 and a half for the Miami heat. And this is the, the first one that we are both in agreement on. We're going over on 48 and a half wins for Miami. Yeah. I just think the infrastructure there is too good for them to, fall off as much as this line thinks they will. Um, like PJ Tucker wasn't worth like even three wins probably in the regular season last year. Like you get PJ Tucker for the postseason. Um, I think I, I really like Caleb Martin as like a sleeper this year for fantasy, like not a, not a top 100 pick, but like, I think he's just going to play a lot and put up those defensive stats and um the, the Heat are just so good at developing guys. Like, we saw it with Struess last year. We saw it with Gabe Vincent last year. Um, they're just, it's such a good operation there. I think Kyle Lowry has kind of a bounce back here. He had a really weird year with just, like, conditioning and off-the-court stuff. Um, you know, I think Tyler Hero is going to be on his best behavior. He needs to get paid. Uh, He's got Bam. a second kid. Like, Bam might play 10 more games than he did last year. Um, uh, I, I think he could play 20 more games than he did last year. Yeah. Like, like 56. He, yeah. yeah. They won that many games. They had the one seed last year, and Bam and Abraham played 56 games. So, yeah. Uh, I like that's, the over. that's pretty much entirely my case for the over as well. And I, 
there is a world in which Kyle Lowry is just completely washed this season. There were certainly times last year where he looked washed, but he also probably plays more games than he did last year. Like you said, it never really felt like he was at 100% during the regular season. And I mean, in, in the fantasy world, like the Heat's injury report essentially became a meme midway through last year. Like every, you know, they, we're talking eight to 10 guys on the report every single night, and they still go get the one seed in the East. So, you know, Jimmy Butler missed 25 games. Tyler Hero missed 16 games. Bam Adebayo missed 26 games. Lowry missed 19. Victor Oladipo played eight games. You know, Marquis Morris, after getting hit by that Serbian train, uh, only played, what, 17 games. So it, it feels like virtually every key player on this roster had bad injury luck last year. And if that turns around even a little bit, I, I think they, they hit this pretty comfortably. The one thing that does give me some pause, though, is this is absolutely a team that is now in – you know, we just want to make the finals or bust zone where they don't really care how many regular season games they win. I think that's true <clears throat> to an extent, but like they got to be careful. Like they, you know, they, they do have to deal with the Bucks, the Sixers, the Celtics. Like I think we agree those three teams probably win more games than they do. So I don't think this team wants to be like the five seed um, or even the six seed. Like I think they got to be careful. So. I don't think they're going to completely pack it in. The Milwaukee Bucks, 51 win team last season. This number sits at 52 and a half. This was one of the most difficult ones for me. And I, I'm going under, you're going under. For me, it comes down to there's already some concern about Chris Middleton, you know, getting back to 100% to begin the year. Um, you know, Drew Holiday played a ton of games last year for them, but you know, other kind of random injury concerns throughout the roster, obviously Brooke Lopez missed most of the regular season. And I, I still think there, this is a team that is going to give Giannis as much maintenance as he needs. Uh, I think Milwaukee is much like Miami firmly in that zone where they've, they've had their days of winning 60 plus games and getting the one seed. Um, I, I think, you know, again, like Miami, they don't want to fall too far. You know, they're not going to loaf it and, and end up as a seven seed, but I don't think this is a team that is overly worried about its its regular season record. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, this was a hard one for me because I do think they could hit this over even without like trying that hard. Uh, but I do think they're just going to err on the side of caution with every single injury they deal with this year. Like you could see them just shutting Giannis down for like two weeks if anything happens with like his knee. Um, so I just. I think it's it got to go under, but I don't feel good about it. I also don't think they really did enough to address one of their biggest issues last year, which was shooting. Um, you know, they basically are running it back with the exact same roster. You use the taxpayer mid-level on a guy in Joe Ingles who's not even going to be available until midway through the year. I, I think for them, that was a playoff signing. and You're not really expecting to get much out of him whatsoever, but – yeah, you know, it's good to have guys like Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and Wes Matthews back. I, I just wish they would have done a little bit more uh, to address the, the shooting, which, I mean, well, two, three years ago, it felt like they were one of the best shooting teams in the league, and it's just – that's it's fallen off. They'll be a good shooting team in the regular season, I think. Um, it's just you got to have, like, Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis. It feels like they're 10% better in the regular season from three than they are right. in the playoffs. Um and that's, as you said, that's the point of the Ingles signing. Uh, I do think, like, the case for the over is that they get Brooke Lopez for a full year, and he's just massive to their defense, and they didn't have him basically at all um, until the very end of the season. So mm -hmm. 
that'd be the case for the over for me. But um, like they could they could win fifty games and be the two or the three seed, right? Like so. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think it matters to them to to win a ton of games. The New York Knicks, thirty-seven wins a year ago. This number bumped up to thirty-nine and a half. I'm going under. I'm going under. Apologies to R.J. Barrett. Uh, apologies to Julius Randle. I, I I don't love the Brunson signing all that much. I, I think it it makes it better. But again, kind of that same case uh, that we laid out for um, you know teams like Chicago and Cleveland. Like you're marginally better, but you're still the ninth or tenth best team in the league, and you're not often going to be favored against more than half of the the teams in the conference. This is another great example of a good line because it's the Knicks. You know, the Knicks used yeah. to always be like one of the most obvious unders on the board. Right. Like five years and ago, this would have been like fifty-two and a half. Like part of part of why I love that Bulls under is I think the Bulls and the Knicks it's like a coin flip for who's the ninth and 10th best teams in the conference. And I just like, I think this 39 and a half is a great line on the Knicks. I think their second unit is going to be awesome again. Um, but they just don't have, like, I don't think the starting lineup really fits. So, and if, if you're the ninth best team or 10th best team in the conference, like if you're picking the over here, you're thinking they're like a 500 team, which I, which I don't really see. No, I, I think I think they have a nice roster. I think in a lot of years, this would be a, a team that could go, you know, 43, 44 wins. But the NBA is just extremely top-heavy right now as my neighbor is ripping the weed eater uh, right outside of my window. Um, you know, like a Brunson, Fournier, Barrett, Randall, Robinson starting five, pretty good. But in today's NBA, that, that's like the 20th best starting lineup in the league. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a few spots lower. Is there any hope for a Julius Randle bounce back? Um, I don't really think so. Um, I just don't think it's set up for him. Like he, his that that career year he had, the shooting is just it was just so over his head. I think he's like I think he's way closer to the player he was last year than the player he was two years ago. I think so too. I mean, we saw a like 10 percentage point drop in three point percentage. And like the only way to get Obi Toppin more minutes, which every Knicks fan is so desperate for, is to play Randall less. Like you can't really play Randall and Toppin together and have a defense that Thibodeau is going to tolerate. So, like, if Randall is the same guy he was last year, I think you see his minutes kind of get cut into a little bit. All right. The Orlando Magic. We're reaching the home stretch here. Four teams left. The Orlando Magic, 22 wins a year ago. Of course, holders of the number one overall pick. They add Paolo Bancaro. The number sits at 26 and a half at DraftKings. I am going under on 26 and a half. I'm going under as well, but I don't feel great about it. Um, I really like the direction this team is headed in. And... I actually thought that they would have been a interesting uh, Donovan Mitchell landing spot if they had decided to kind of speed things up. Um, but I mean, I think I think Ben is great. I think uh, Wendell Carter is, is a really good young center. 
Uh, I just worry about the the backcourt being like all those guys are either just only defense or only offense, and it's going to be pretty rough um, in the two guard spots. I think in terms of production, mm-hmm. uh, I do love Franz Franz Wagner. Uh, I could see this team kind of gelling sooner than expected and being like a, a 28, 29 win team this year, but um, they're not in a rush. Like they'd be fine yeah. getting another top five pick. So I think gravity just pulled them down, but uh, I do like the direction they're headed. I love the Carter, Baba, Bankero, Wagner for uh, in the front court. And we'll see about Okiki. I mean, it, it was hurt a bunch last year and it hasn't really taken much of a step forward. He's, he's definitely in the defense only category at this point. I have no expectations for Jonathan Isaac. If, if he plays no. 20 games, that feels like a win. I, I don't think you yeah. could depend on that whatsoever. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, I'm not really counting on much from him at all. Um, I mean, what do you, where do you think uh, Jalen Suggs' career is, is headed? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. He, he's probably the most interesting piece for me on this team. I, I feel like we, we kind of know – what's up with Markel Fultz at this point. You know, hopefully we could play a full season and, and see if he can kind of continue to get some of uh, his former form back. Cole Anthony, I feel like we know what he is at this point. He probably ends up playing off the bench for most of the year with Suggs. I mean, I was, I was a big Suggs guy coming into last season and it was, it was disastrous. Um, you know, I, I, in some ways I almost feel like the injury went like bailed him out a little bit. Like it, it kind of gave him uh, a reason to, to, to kind of rest and reset. I mean, things were really, really ugly prior to that he has the most to prove I think of any player on this team this season. Like we, you know, Bankero, it's his rookie year. He comes in with big expectations. I think we, we, we kind of can see the path for how that's going to go. But I mean, you could tell me Suggs bounces back in a major way and we, you know, we feel really good about his development going forward, but you could also tell me 20 games into the year, he's shooting 38% from the field and looking like a big time bust. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty big year for him in terms of like kind of, is this a piece going forward? Because if he has a repeat of last year, then he starts to look like a defense only, like fourth guard kind of. So um, I'm really interested to see what happens. I, I'm pulling for him. Like I, I thought he was a good prospect too. Uh, and if he kind of pops this year the way that they thought he would initially, yeah. then they've really got something. Yeah, that that well, the other thing is, too, if, if this is a really bad team, which, you know, they're, they're likely going to be in the mix for another top three pick. Um, and, you know, like, I mean, he could be kind of out of the mix if he has another bad year. Right. Like if they if they have a chance to, to add someone like like Scoot Henderson. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not like it's not like you're just going to wave Suggs and that's it. But I mean, with with the amount of young assets that they have and the, the direction that they're ascending in, I mean, they don't really have time to, to kind of wait on him to develop for multiple years. Yeah, I mean, he might just end up being like a, like an Avery Bradley type um, that just kind of bounces from team to team as kind of your defensive stopper, 20-minute-a-game type guy if he can't improve that shot. The Philadelphia 76ers. This was my easiest over, I'll tell you that. Uh, if, if I had to lock one up, it would be this. 50-and-a-half is the number for a team that won 51 games last season. The vibes are good in Philly. Uh, James Harden has, has done everything he needs to do, I think, to, to uh, you know, kind of get suckers like me to buy in on him having a big year. Uh, I, I really like the the kind of marginal additions that they made to this roster, bringing in someone like De'Anthony Melton, basically getting him for free on draft night. 
Um, yeah, I, I kind of like adding Montres Harrell as well, who uh, for a while there, it looked like it was going to be in some pretty heavy legal trouble. Weaseled his way out on out of that. Now he's the backup center to Joel Embiid. Uh, as long as Embiid stays healthy, as he's mostly been able to do these last couple of years, uh, I'm with you. I, I like Philly uh, to, to to get the one seed, and you know they might be my favorite finals bet at this point. This is my favorite bet in the Eastern Conference this this over. Um, like I think they might win the number one seed by like four or five games. Honestly, like they. It's just so set up for them to have a monster regular season. Uh, their depth is incredible. Like, I think they could cruise to the number one seed and even deal with, like, a 15-game absence from Embiid or Harden. I just think their depth is so great. Um, Harden is just going to have a monster year. Uh, like, there's just – there's no holes in this, this team for the regular season. Like, I think the playoffs, obviously – like, is Embiid going to be able to stay healthy in the playoffs? Is Harden going to shrink in big moments? Like, those questions still have to be answered, but I don't think there's any questions about how good this team's going to be in the regular season. No, the only thing is Embiid. You know, I, I think they are – they're built well to weather an absence for Harden. You know, if he misses 10 or 15 games, it's just, you know, it's Tyrese Maxey time. It's more DeAnthony Melton. It's, you still have Cork Boz, He's a good shooter. Um, you know, Shake Milton, who a couple of years ago we we kind of felt like was on a, a maxi like trajectory. Obviously, that has not happened. Uh, but they're yeah, they're built well in that backcourt, especially. Um, and you know, with, with Embiid, you can always like any team can say that. You know, it's like, yeah, if Giannis goes down or if LeBron goes down, yeah, you're, you're gonna suffer. But um, I mean he's, well, he's like, exceeded all expectations in terms of health. I think I think Montrez Harrell is just a huge get for them. Um yeah. like this is like him and Harden can run really efficient offense when Embiid is is off the court, and like Harold's biggest problem is just you can't really play him in the playoffs. Which again, like Doc Rivers, is he going to know that he can't really play him in the playoffs? Um, but I that, just that think, remains to be seen. <laughs> I just think Harold's going to have such an efficient offensive season this year in like a twenty minute game though. He might be the, the player with the biggest gap between regular season and postseason value. Like Matras Harrell is a regular season game winner every single year. Yeah, I I didn't watch a ton of him last year, but I did watch You're missing out, man. I did watch a couple games and I was just blown away by how like he's just a dominant offensive force in the regular season, yeah. especially against second units. I know. I he was somebody I wish the Bucks would have got, and you know, it's like I know Serge Ibaka is still on this team. It's like, yeah, I would much rather have Montrezl Harrell uh, in that role. The Toronto Raptors, forty-eight wins a year, forty-five and a half is the number for Toronto. Um, a little suspicious, you know. Maybe they they exceeded expectations a bit last season, but I also I don't really see the argument for why they take a major step back, unless it's just there's too many good teams. Uh, above them but uh this this uh, this was not quite as easy for me as as philly but a relatively easy over yeah i mean i think the the raptors always used to be one of my favorite overs like i, I felt like vegas always kind of undersold them but this line feels feels pretty fair um i'm, I'm going over but uh you know they're what? What are they like? The seventh best team in the conference? Like, that's still, I, I think that's so. Cool. I mean, on paper, but they're also one of those teams that always seems to finish two spots higher than you think. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just think the the line is it's it's a solid line to me. I, I'm going over. I mean, I think the the team is just too well run, too well coached. Um, but like Fred Van Vliet, like I, I'm starting to wonder if he's kind of breaking down a little bit based on how much they use him, and they don't have great depth when Van Vliet's injured. Uh, they kind of need him and Trent because they're they're by far their best shooters. Um. But if, if Barnes takes another small step forward, if Precious Achua is the player he was in the second half instead of the first half, like they could they could flirt with fifty wins if everything goes perfectly. Um, but it, it's it's just such a loaded conference now. Like this is not a top six team in the conference, even though I, I love their talent. I think the big thing is. Is Siakam healthy, and does he play as well as he did last year? Because it's kind of been an up and down trajectory from him these last couple of years. Where I think you know, he's two, three I think years ago, back. I think he I is think, too. He, he was awesome back. last year. Yeah, like, yeah I think he was. Was, just, he was. There was weird stuff happening with him, um, like with COVID. Like I feel like he responded really poorly to when they had to play in like Tampa. Um, but I think like what we saw last year is what I expect this year from him. He won me a couple fantasy leagues, just people letting him slide. And, and you know, it was, it was a mixture of just a bad year beforehand and, and the early season injury. But, yeah, he was unreal last year. Um, I mean, Ananobi, if he could finally stay healthy, that's huge. You know, they have Otto Porter now backing up him on the wing. I think that's big. I mean, this is a team that for a lot of last year was dipping into some depth pieces that they probably didn't want to have to do. Um, so they, they shouldn't have to do that this time around. Um, and, I mean, really, for me, it comes down to Barnes. Like, I, I assume we're in agreement that – I mean, you're a big Scotty Barnes guy. If he takes a, a major step forward, which I think is in the cards um, and, and becomes, you know, kind of continues on this like Sean Marion like trajectory, um, you know, all of a sudden that, that, that really changes things. And I, I do think they have an outside shot to be uh, close to a 50 win team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he would be the ticket to them. Well, like a combination of him taking a step forward and OG playing like, even just like 68 games for OG would be huge. Um, I mean, that, that rookie class is just so good. Uh, I think I'm more confident in like Cade and Jalen Green and Evan Mobley taking steps forward than I am Barnes. Um, but I mean, they're just, they're also talented. I, it wouldn't be the craziest thing if all of a sudden he was just a clear top 20 player. Yeah, I, it's going to be tough just because of the guys around him. Like, I think it's going to be less obvious in terms of the raw stats, but I also think, like, the efficiency numbers are going to be off the charts for Barnes. You know, he's, he's not going to have the same type type of counting stats that Kate Cunningham is going to have, but I think there's going to be a lot of metrics that say he's just as, if not more, impactful, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, let's finish out with the Wizards. What a banger. 35 wins last year, 35 and a half this year. Uh, I, I'm reluctantly going over. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I, this team, this team is, is brutal, man. I don't know what's going on here. I, in some ways I, I like some of the pieces. Like I, I actually thought they, they played kind of well down the stretch last year. Like Porzingis had played some of the best basketball we've seen him play in a long time. Uh, but that was without Bradley Beal. That's a pretty big element to reintroduce. Uh, you know, Kuz is still on this team. I, I kind of like the additions of Barton and Monte Morris. Uh, they desperately needed some guard depth because for a while there, it looked like Johnny Davis might be starting and he does not look anywhere near ready. 
uh, to be a starter in the NBA. So a, a lot of you know former first round picks on this team that were still you know, kind of in, in waiting periods, Denny Avdia, Corey Kispert, uh, even Rui Hachimura. I'm not inspired by this team at all. And, and as we said at the top, I mean, they are firmly right in the middle uh, where you do not want to be. Yeah, I, I just, I love that you went over on them. Um, like, what a crazy move. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just, you know, they're one of the bottom five teams in the conference. They're not trying to tank. They're, they're always picking, like, 10th or 12th, and they have yet to hit on any of those picks. Um, like, Davis, Hachimura, Abia, Kispert, like, those are all just so underwhelming picks in the middle of the first round. And, um, like, if Bradley Beal is the same player he was last year before getting injured, they don't come close to, like, 38 wins no he has to fully rebound to be the guy that he was like a couple years ago and then if Porzingis you know he probably have to play 60 plus games for them to hit this over um I think there's just way more there's way more avenues for them to win like 30 games than for them to win 40 games yeah yeah you're right I mean what was what was the Hornets number they are 36 and a half. Like I, I think I like the wizards a little better than I like the Hornets. Like if, if they're healthy, the wizards feel like they have more depth. They have more dependable pieces. Um, I, but I, I have the, I have the Hornets wizards and Pistons kind of in a tier to me. Like, see, I think the Knicks are in that tier to me too. And I would maybe I, I, drop the Pistons down a little lower. Yeah. I, I think like the bulls and the Knicks are just a bit more competent than these teams. Um, they have more. They just have more like professional NBA players. I feel, but um, I don't know. Like, it's just when you get down to like a bottom five team in a conference, it just seems like a lot has to go right for them to hit that over. But um, does it change uh, your mind that Taj Gibson is the third center for the Wizards? <laughs> Do you need a moment to recalibrate? No. I do love Kyle Kuzma in fantasy this year because I think yeah. he's just clearly their second best offensive like creator. Um and I don't mind Porzingis. I think Porzingis just didn't like being in Dallas, didn't like being Luca's second fiddle. Um but I, I like some of these. I like Monty Morris in fantasy this year. Um, oh, yeah. I just think this is, this is a really mediocre real life team. I was watching the highlights from that Warriors Wizards game in, in Tokyo this morning. Um, for one, James Wiseman, 20 and 9 in, in 24 minutes, basically all dunks. But uh, Kuz, there, Kuz had a couple wild, like long, long three point <laughs> attempts. Long attempts that were like, one of, one of them bounced off the rim so hard that it created a fast break for the Warriors. I, I love it. I hope he just pulls all season. Yeah. Well, I mean, for him, it was the rebounds last year. Like he was, he was a, a like a basically a 15 and 10 guy for like a good month and a half. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the wizards are just, I, I don't know if there's another team in the league that is just built like this. Yeah. You know, like the other teams that are even in their zone at least have, you know, like the Hornets have someone like LaMelo ball. who It's like, all right, you have a clear franchise centerpiece. 
if nothing else, you can kind of recalibrate around that guy. Um, I, I guess maybe the Knicks in some way are, are the most similar, but like there's no teams in the West that even remind me of the way that the Wizards have built their team. So thoroughly average. Are they the least watchable team in the conference? If Brad Beal plays like Brad Beal last year, yes. I, I think without question. I, I mean, the Pacers, the Pacers might be pretty rough. Honestly, in some ways, I feel like the Hawks aren't going to be a great watch this year. I don't know. I I mean, I like – I'd rather watch a team like the Pacers where it's just like I want to see Halliburton and Matherin. Like, those two are just more exciting play, players to watch than anyone on the Wizards because, like, yeah. you want to see where their careers are going. Like, we know what everyone on the Wizards is pretty much. There's definitely a world in which, like, a month and a half into the year – Brad Beal you know, goes and takes a seat. They're down 25 late in the third quarter against the Celtics. And he's just like sitting at the end of the bench and gets into it with Porzingis and they have to be separated. Like it, it does feel like the wizard season could take that turn. Yeah. I mean, does, does Bradley Beal know that he's just no longer going to make any like all-star teams or anything like that? I don't think he knows that. No, I don't, I don't think he's aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. They're, they're, they're in quite the spot here, but that'll wrap up the East. Uh, any any parting thoughts? So my best bet was the the Sixers over. What was your best bet? That's what I said as well. I, I think yeah. that number is just suspiciously low to me. I would put the Heat over as probably my second best bet. Um, you know, it's it's tough to to take an under best bet. I'd have to take a quick look. I mean, I, I do like Detroit under twenty nine and a half. I, I'm not locking that up by any means. Um, I think yeah, Miami I, Miami and Philly. Like if I were just gonna bet. 500 bucks on Eastern Conference under overs, I would just put it all on the Sixers over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, barring a catastrophic injury situation, I just, I don't see how they don't hit that. That number could, I mean, what would the number have to be where you wouldn't go over? Like 54 and a half. Yeah. And I think it could totally be sitting there and we wouldn't say that it was artificially high. I mean, I also love what what's M, what's Embiid's MVP odds. Uh, I can find that for you in a matter of moments uh, by using rotowire.com, which has a, a amazing suite of betting tools. Uh, Joel Embiid at the DraftKings Sportsbook is plus six fifty to win MVP. He is seven to one on FanDuel. Yeah, can you parlay the Sixers over with that? Because I like that a lot. I mean, the the media. Like, what would have to happen for Embiid? Like, if Embiid plays – like, if he just duplicates last year's season mm-hmm. and they have the one seed, what would have to happen for him to not win it? Like, just a crazy Luka season? Right. Well, even that, I don't I don't think the Mavs are going to be good enough. I think Luka yeah, can he, have a crazy – unless his stats are, like, completely off the chain, which like I, he I don't would think have really to, happening. He would have to get them to, like, the four seed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I just don't see it happening for Luca. I don't think they I have think enough the media. Him. I think the media just feels so bad for not giving MB, MB, any of these MVPs. Exactly. Um, and exactly. if they have the he's, one seed, like I just no, he's next in line for sure. I think like losing it to Jokic last year now helps him for this year. No yeah. question about it. Um, I, I mean, I think Durant is probably or not Durant. Uh, Giannis is probably the biggest threat just because you know the Bucks and the Sixers are right there in the standings, which they likely will be. We're going to have that same debate as last year, um, you know, where it was it was mostly Jokic versus Embiid, but you could also see it being Giannis versus Embiid. Um, but I, I think I think the edge would go to Embiid because he hasn't won it. 
Yeah, Giannis is just tough because, like, he doesn't care about – like, Giannis isn't going to be trying to win the MVP in terms of playing in that many games and playing that many minutes, whereas Embiid will be. And if if their records, like, if the Sixers and Bucks win the same amount of games like they did last year, then it'll be a debate. But if the Sixers win four or five more games in the Bucks, which I think they will, then it might not be a debate. I want, I want to parlay Sixers over Embiid, MVP, and LeBron over 37 and a half minutes uh, of game stoppage when he breaks the scoring record. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't wait for that to happen. That scene is going to be – I think there's going to be tears. Uh, you pointed out, like, Jay-Z is definitely going to be there. Um, yeah. yeah. DraftKings I- has, a, an, like, an insane – page of all these bets surrounding like when LeBron will break the record, how will he break the record? DraftKings, if you're listening, please add who will be there yeah. in attendance. Like I, I think Draymond Green would skip a Warriors game to be there. Yeah. Yes. Like Dray- Draymond's going to be there somehow. Um, Dwayne Wade will I, be there. I guess Kevin Hart might be there. Yes. Uh, Kevin Hart will be there. Uh, Adele will be there. As I told you, um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a who's who. I think there's a chance Obama's there. Um, I could see it. I I really wish you could bet on it being a home game. Um, you can like you can just bet home versus road. Yeah. What what what's the odds for home? Uh, let, let me bring it up. I believe when I checked the other day, though, that road was the favorite. I, I think just based on how the schedule lines there's up. No, uh, there's no chance. There's no chance. Let's see. So where will LeBron break the scoring record? Road, minus 175. Home, plus 145. I mean, I haven't – obviously, they, they set those lines for a reason. I haven't looked at, like, the schedule and stuff like that. But, I mean, unless it's, like, at Madison Square Garden or in Cleveland, it's going to be at Staples. Like, he just – he needs the whole – Mm-hmm. banner unveiling and, and just it's it's got to be at Staples. well so the, i think the reason that road is favored is that if you kind of project it out based on average and whatnot he's likely to break it somewhere in late january or early february and they, they do have like a four game road swing right around that time uh january 31st at new york knicks madison square garden so maybe, maybe earmark that one because you, yeah if he's not breaking it in la He's making sure it's happening at the guard. I think there's going to be like the game that he's close. We're going to see, I mean, he could attempt like 25, three players. I, I told you it's going to be a fadeaway three. He's going to be taking fadeaway threes until he breaks it. Like once he gets within three points, because he's going to want to hold the follow through and like have it be like a picture perfect moment and everything. Right. Like he's not going to want to set it on like a free throw or something. No, I, I would no. You can bet that it happens on a free throw. That should be like plus a million. That's not going to happen. He will intentionally no. miss free throws to make sure it's not a free throw. It, it's going to have to be just a crazy three pointer. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, I actually hope that he is like one point away and goes to the line at a key time in a game where he like needs to make a free throw. And I, I honestly think he would contemplate missing it. Like he would, he would throw the game in order to get the moment. I still like that home bet, though. Because how do we know how many games he's going to miss before that? Story? I know. I, that's what's crazy to me. And, like, look, I, I, 
it's whatever. I, I don't I don't know how these odds are set, but like you you could you're picking an individual game of when will LeBron break the scoring record. So for example, you can bet that he'll break it on uh, January 28th in Boston. It's only six to one. Like that's insane to me. Like there's and I mean these this should be like sixty to one. You're picking one specific game. We have no he's idea not, how much time he's going to miss. He's not setting it in Boston. Well, I don't know. Maybe he wants he wants as many of his friends to be there as possible. Like. It's yeah, got to be LA. I think it's going to be uh, like I told you off air. It's going to be really obvious in the days leading up which game he's targeting because <laughs> you know, the, like he's gonna he's definitely gonna have like a specific outfit. He's gonna have a specific demeanor the night that he knows it's gonna happen. Uh, like the kids will all be there. Like it, it's it's going to be super obvious. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rich Rich Paul and Adele will be there. Um, Jay Z and Beyonce will be there. Um, it's gonna be amazing. And Kareem like, Kareem will reluctantly be there. <laughs> the the embrace of LeBron and Kareem is gonna be the most awkward embrace. Yes, of exactly. All time. I, like, I, I hope they make Kareem do what uh what uh Roger Maris's son has had to do these last couple of weeks, just, just follow LeBron around. <laughs> no, there's oh, no way. that's that's another reason why it's gonna be in LA. Um just like, for convenience. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's gotta be. It's gotta yeah, be. Magic's gonna be there. Magic's PR team's already drafting up the tweet. I feel like Rachel Nichols is somehow gonna interview him, even though she won't yeah. be doing any sideline coverage this year. Like she'll just be there for that game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will continue to uh, to monitor this as it approaches. That's for sure. We'll. Um, I think we'll, we'll maybe have to do like a special podcast series uh, the the week that it happens, uh, kind of a, a before <laughs> and after. Um, it is going to be a show. I have no, I have no doubt about that. That LeBron will play this up uh, as much as possible. But uh, all right, that was the Easter Conference win totals. James, thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll be back uh, sometime next week. Not sure exactly when uh, to do the West, but looking forward to those as well. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.